currently, right now, it's about 50% that I'm seeing couples. Is that intentional or is that accidental? A little of both. Hmm. A little of both. Because I have noticed that individuals, they're good for a bit for me. Mm -hmm. And I connected to the ones I have and I'm doing well with them. But I kind of get bored. Hmm. I um I like the difference. I like the dynamic. I like the communication and actually problem solving within a relationship instead of just me and an individual going back and forth. Yeah. I feel that sometimes it's repetitive. Huh. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I think that's also a reason why a lot of therapists don't prefer couples. <laughs> right. Because it's, they don't want the dynamic. Yeah. At times a little too dynamic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Today I have Beth Thornton in the uh, podcasting studio with me. She is a clinician at Mayfield Council. Did I say your name wrong? No. Oh, okay. You're good. <laughs> you're like, good. give me a look. Like, no, you're... You smirked at me when I said your last name. <laughs> no, you're good. I was waiting to see what you were going to oh. say. <laughs> well, I was going to say that Beth is a uh, clinician here at Mayfield Counseling Centers, and she does a lot of work with couples and relationships. And uh, at least currently in our sphere, <laughs> she's like the go-to of like, hey, there's a relationship issue. Let's just send them to Beth. <laughs> um, and I think you have this reputation in the office of being very fair in sessions with your clients uh, and also not holding your punches. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you, there's a lot of times where the clients that I have that are in a relationship and the couple is coming to see you, they talk about how uh, they feel seen by you and also really pushed by you. Uh, and I think that that is really the makeup of a, of a really effective couples counselor because I think we need that maybe even more than just individual counseling because mm-hmm. um, it is a place where things need to be high conflict at moments just because they are in general. And so why shouldn't it be true in couples counseling? So Beth, I'm really grateful to have you on just to talk about relationship skills and different elements of couples counseling. And my hope from this conversation would be that other listeners are able to uh, evaluate how they're approaching couples counseling right now or to consider how they could, um, not just in moments of crisis, but to like further develop their relationship as well. So as you as you've been seeing couples, yes, I'm curious. The, I have an experience where a lot of the times, I would say maybe ninety percent of the time mm-hmm. with my clients, there's one or two things that always get brought up, okay, or like a skill that I always end up teaching a client, mm-hmm. or like an idea or a thought that I always offer. Like it's just this common concept that always comes up. Do right. you? have the same experience with couples, like this one thing that just like everybody ends up talking about in sessions or I always feel like I should bring up in sessions? Always without end is we are not communicating well. Hmm. We are not hearing each other. We're not on the same page. Hmm. It's the common issue. Um, A lot of them are coming in just because they are feeling disconnected from one another, which would be the communication piece. Yeah. and then also financial aspects and also with uh, 
the intimacy, hmm. you know, emotional inti- intimacy and physical intimacy mm-hmm. are primary concerns that come up with couples. That's a great reason to come in for couples counseling. <laughs> right. What do you typically, like, what's a go-to with those conversations? What do you normally feel like you approach that with? Is it the same for every couple or is it different? With communication specifically? Yeah, and okay. just that disconnect. With disconnect, um, I really start helping them identify their expectations within the relationship because if their expectations aren't being met, then their needs truly aren't being met. Mm. And so once we can identify the expectations and the needs and then the communication piece comes with it. Mm. So it's at times how they're not communicating their needs yeah. or expectations and then they're mad at each other and then there's arguments and fighting and yeah. you know and discontent in the relationship because they're not hearing each other because yeah. they're not communicating the way each other needs to be heard. Yeah. So, okay, we're talking about relationship skills. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of approaches to therapy. Some are more skills-based. Some are more relationally based, like in-the-room relationship. Whole gambit, right? Right. So when we talk about relationship skills, is it... Is that kind of the end? Like, do couples who come in feeling a lack of communication or a disconnect, do they just need the right skills to make everything better? I think it's a combination of having the skills and the vulnerability to utilize them. What do you mean? Because they have been in such a routine of not communicating that it feels awkward and uncomfortable to actually communicate what they need. Mm. And then to be able to express that and it to be received well. And so working through defenses and anger or frustrations as well. So there could be couples that have all of the right skills and the tools Mm -hmm. and yet are still suffering. Yes. Because some have the skill set already. They know how to communicate, but then they're not receiving the message from one another. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really depends on the relationship and where they are both in that relationship currently. Now, I have not been a therapist as long as you or a uh, married person as long as you. I'm not going to say anything about age. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm okay with my age. I'll let everyone but I, know. <laughs> I can remember early on hearing the idea of relationship skills mm-hmm. and being like, oh, okay, that makes sense that there would be skills for relationships. What does that even look like? Like, wh- what is a relationship skill? And just really feeling like I wasn't not only unequipped, mm-hmm. but I was completely unaware of what that would even look like, like what those tools looked like. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you recall ever feeling that? Or have you kind of had the experience of like, oh, I feel like I have enough tools, and then they're getting refined as you learn different things in in your therapeutic growth? I have absolutely felt like I am inept and unequipped (laughs) and not prepared to work with different couples. Yeah. Some come in, it's like, okay, I've got this, not a problem. Other ones, oh, no, I'm out there, I'm researching, and I am refining tools and techniques because it's not a one-stop shop for everyone. Yeah. As I have done some of that research, too, of like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm working with a couple, I should offer them some skills. (laughs) Like, what skills would be appropriate or what are they dealing with and what would be helpful? It's 
been cool for me to be able to see how I can actually start practicing some of those skills that enhances my ability to be able to offer it to a couple mm-hmm. uh, because I have tangible experience with it in my own relationship. And one of the things, one of the skills that I've really appreciated is this idea of bidding, which we're going to get into later. But I first want to hear from you, mm-hmm. what's a skill, it doesn't have to be the most meaningful skill, but like a skill that you came upon in that researching, in that trying to equip yourself better as a therapist, maybe not just as a wife or a friend, what, what's one of those skills that you've come across? Fair fighting. Fair fighting is significant. You know, I with my couple of clients, I always tell them to imagine a big black trash bag full of the trash from the back. Like everything, all the past hurts, all the past, you know, insults, anything that could be used to intentionally hurt the other person. Mm. And so fair fighting is a significant skill because it's easy to revert back to pulling out that hurtful comment Mm -hmm. and lobbing it at the other person. Mm. You said this to me and I'm going to throw it back at you. And now we're into character assaults, and now we're into personal, emotional assaults as well. We're not just arguing about the problem. Yeah. We are now hurting the other person intentionally. Yeah. I love that because it's, I mean, I think many of us have probably heard the idea of like learning how to fight, mm-hmm. and that itself feels pretty ambiguous and, and nebulous. Right. But I think even narrowing it down to what does it look like to fairly fight? Um, like sometimes with these relationship skills, it almost feels like hearing the name of the skill or the concept of the skill is enough to change our focus Mm -hmm. and change the way we're seeing it to highlight, oh yeah, I have been doing that. Right. Um, which I think is really fascinating in relationship counseling that maybe doesn't always happen in individual counseling with some of like our coping skills and emotional intelligence skills. Like a lot of that I think comes with more of like practical hands-on learning and and, and experimentation, whereas mm-hmm. relationship skills, it's kind of like, oh, okay, I got that. Like, okay, so I, I'm doing this. How do I not do this? And, and moving, like it, it all kind of starts the ball rolling already. Right. Which I think is really cool. And one of the things that I think is is very similar to that is this idea of bids, which comes from the Gottmans. Right. Um, Gottman Institute, researching relationships for like 40 years, all sorts of great resources. Um, a go-to for me with mm-hmm. couples, just because there's so much that is applicable across the spectrum of relationships. They do right. a good job of kind of like, you know, general relationship requires this for health or general relationship experiences this in unhealth, which I think is hard to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But the idea of bidding is this idea that we are constantly making asks or what they call bids in relationships that are often concealed under passivity or ambiguity or uh, just not very direct most of the time. Sometimes they're very overtly direct. Right. <laughs> but sometimes, like, the example they give in the book, um, uh, The Relationship Cure, is uh, a wife saying to the husband, it's cold, isn't it? And how that can be a bid of would you cuddle me or would you, uh, you know, move closer to me on the couch? And the way that that wife is asking the question leaves it up for a lot of interpretation where the husband could say, yeah, it is, and respond to the bid in a positive way. Mm -hmm. They could also respond in a positive way by saying, let me grab you a blanket 
let me turn up the thermostat. All of those ways are ways that they the husband can respond positively, even if it's not the intended or, or at the ask beneath the bid mm-hmm. um, and how healthy relationships are just bids being met and responded to. And so, you know, hey, will you grab coffee with me? I'd love to, but I'm really busy right now. Can we do it another time? Mm-hmm. Still a positive response to a bid and giving a bid on top of it of like, hey, can we do this another time? And I think that that skill is really interesting. And it's very interesting to see it in sessions because I think sometimes we as counselors get to see the bids that the other person's missing. Right. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Do you have any examples of that happening in sessions where you saw a bid that the other person very obviously was not seeing? Bid for validation of the emotional expression. More of the idea of, you know, I'm feeling sad. Mm. And then when you have the two couches and the partners are sitting on either couch (laughs) or on the same couch as far away as possible from each other bringing them together. Yeah. So clients saying, you know, the wife maybe saying, I'm, I'm feeling really sad. <laughs> and that's a bid of reach out to me mm. or hold my hand or come closer. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's ignored frequently. Mm. That one might be just a look, kind of like, okay, I see you, but mm. I'm not going to do anything about it. Yeah, like an actual rejection of the bid, mm-hmm. not even just a miss. Right, yeah. What does it say in a relationship when that bid is rejected like that? When the bids are rejected, the other person will end up stop asking. Hmm. You know, you can only be rejected for so long and so many times that it becomes a new routine, a new habit, or you just don't ask, you're just taking care of your own needs. Yeah, I think that it's it's interesting for me to to see how bids happen in a couple session mm-hmm. and you kind of get to know both parties in a really unique way. And so as a therapist, you're able to see beneath the bid that sometimes in relationship, we just automatically get clouded. Mm-hmm. It's hard to pierce through all of the stuff that we're going through to accurately perceive that bid, which I think makes that idea harder and and why it is helpful to have a counselor to be able to say like, hey, your partner is asking you to come closer, Mm -hmm. which leads into another skill that the comments have. Can you talk about the idea of like leaning? Leaning towards one another and turning towards one another, that is where your body physically turns Mm -hmm. and your eye gaze turns towards that person to acknowledge what is being asked. What's like an opposite you've seen? Like where they're doing the exact opposite of that. Exact opposite. Literally, you've got a normal sized couch and they are on the farthest ends possible. And they, it's amazing how they can literally be as far apart as humanly possible on this little tiny couch. (laughs) And it's, it's like, okay, I can feel the coldness. Yeah. I can feel the rejection. Yeah. And I can visibly see it as yeah. well. Yeah. I love it too when a couple comes in for like an intake and they don't even sit on the same couch. Right. Like there's this chair that's off to the side that like is a little bit awkward if anyone else is on the couch. <laughs> and one of them will choose, choose to go that to that chair. <laughs> yes. And then still go to the far side of either the chair or the couch mm-hmm. and not make eye contact and all of that. And one of the activities I have 
clients do, couples clients, is actually have them like face each other and make eye contact. And mm-hmm. I'm a little brutal. I don't hold my punches often. <laughs> um, and so I'll have them stare at each other for a full two minutes. I'll go a step silence. further. Oh, really? I will. And I will have them put a hand on each other's heart. Oh. And then do the eye contact. Tell me tell and me the reasoning. The reasoning is because that's a human touch as well. Yeah. And if you are touching someone's heart, looking into their eyes, you're seeing past the exterior. Yeah. You're seeing that emotional person and you are seeing everything about them. Yeah. It's very vulnerable. Yeah. And it's very uncomfortable <laughs> totally. if you have not connected. Yeah. And there's a significant emotional response yeah with the actual hand on the heart yeah and look into the eyes yeah mm-hmm. i love those super uncomfortable moments not not because they're uncomfortable and i'm a sadist but <laughs> because i i think genuinely some of the benefit of couples counseling relationship counseling is that it is a excuse and something to blame for needing to connect in that moment. Like mm-hmm. even my wife and I, when we go to couples counseling, a lot of it is here's an hour set aside that we're supposed to be connecting in an intentional way that we have been missing for the past week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we want to pursue it outside of that, but we're kind of forced to now. And that is a benefit of that hour. And I think having those moments that are really uncomfortable that connect, I think that couples counseling can be Mm -hmm. beneficial if it's a good session and especially if it's a bad session (laughs) because in a good session, you get something good out of it, hopefully. right? Right. Right. I think if you have a bad session or if the therapist is totally missing things or just a bad therapist or everything went wonky, if you can leave and you're both bashing on that session together, (laughs) I think there's a a leaning into each other of that therapist sucked. (laughs) Like they were so bad. And like you, I I actually think there's benefit to that. Don't go back, (laughs) right? If that's the experience. (laughs) Um, But I think there's real beauty that intentional connection Mm -hmm. in that couple's setting. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) I, you know, I, I view bad sessions as high conflict sessions for me, Mm. but in that moment, you can see the couple actually start to come together as well, even if there is high conflict. Mm -hmm. But yeah, bad sessions are good because (laughs) then it actually gets them thinking as well. So, yeah. So we've got turning towards bids. Mm -hmm. What are some other skills that are just helpful tools that maybe not many couples have or not many couples have language for? I have an emotional connection activity that I have the couple participate in session. Um, This is an activity that I pulled from a different resource, and it is a bunch of open-ended questions. And they're very personal questions. Yeah. And, you know, what is is your greatest fear? Mm. You know, so that's one of them. Mm-hmm. What is something about you that you dislike? Mm. And what happens is there's a stack of 30 questions, and you choose five questions that you want to answer, and then you give them to your spouse or partner, and they ask you those questions. Mm. And then after they've answered, then the partner can ask clarifying questions or more information. And those questions really get to the root of some of the concerns. Yeah, that's awesome. Because, again, it's that, like, vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to share this? 
Right. And at any time, either partner can say, I'm done. Hmm. I can't do this. This is too difficult. Yeah. And so that way they have their their out Mm -hmm. if need be, even though they are questions they have selected. Hmm. So it's one of those, okay, what is that emotional response Mm -hmm. that is now making them feel too vulnerable and unsafe to actually answer those questions? Yeah. So it's... It's a significant experience. I love that one. Um, to be able to emotionally connect and be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think one of the skills that it feels almost silly to even call it a skill, mm-hmm. but it's just being able to ask for the response you're looking for. I don't see many couples do this, especially in a counseling session, mm-hmm. where they can say, I need you just to listen, or I need your help, or even just like, I need you to be on my team with right. this. Outright ask for the response, like give them a script to okay. follow of like, I'm going to say this and you're going to say, dang, babe, that sucks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes we just need that. Right. You know, I teach it with, you know, going into a conversation that might be a challenge with, yeah. I need to vent and yeah. I need you just to listen. Yeah. I need your support or I need you to be on my team. Yeah. And then also... I need you to help me problem solve, Mm -hmm. you know, because I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to fix this. What can you offer, basically? Mm -hmm. Have you seen the video, It's Not About the Nail? I don't believe I have. Beth. (laughs) It is one of my favorite relationship videos ever. Okay. Um, I will try to put a link in the description, but essentially what happens is it's a woman and a man on a couch, and they're in, you know, married or dating or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and the wife starts complaining. It starts from the back. Wife is complaining about this headache and just this pain and pressure and turn towards the husband and she's got this nail in her forehead. And the husband is like, uh, mm, if you take care of the, and before he's even able to get it out, the wife is like, Jerry, I don't know what his name is. (laughs) It is not about the nail. (laughs) Can you just listen? (laughs) And he's like, Okay, okay, fine. <laughs> Just listen. And she's like, and all of my my sweaters are getting snagged, and I don't know where it's coming from. And there's just this thing, and she like gestures to her forehead, <laughs> and I just, I, it, 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 it's just there, and I can't, I can't get rid of it. And, and the husband's like, that sucks. <laughs> and she's like, thank you. <laughs> and I think it ends with him saying like, and if you get rid of the end, then it like, right. but I think it's this beautiful picture of like, sometimes it really isn't about the nail. Mm-hmm. Even if the nail is the obvious problem. Right. I th- and I think some of it is that vulnerability. Will you see me without trying to fix me? Mm-hmm. Which I think can get in the way of a lot of those meaningful conversations, even like in a therapist-client relationship. Right. Like, there's times that we as therapists can get in our way of trying to fix the problem or focus on the nail. Right. And sometimes the client, I think most of the time, the client needs us to acknowledge them first mm-hmm. and maybe not even acknowledge the nail because they'll take care of it. They just needed that person to look at them right. and see them. to see them. And to see them mm. for their emotions and their needs and their wants and... What is a couple's counseling win that you have in your storybook as a counselor? A win was a couple that came in and it was literally to check the box on the way to divorce Mm. and able to work through the conflict 
and to identify what the root cause of the difficulties in the relationship were and to be successful. And now to be coming in once a month or every couple of months as a check-in and a tune-up, just to actually have had clarity of what was taking place. So what was true about the makeup of that relationship that allowed them to see that success? They really didn't want a a divorce. Hmm. Um, Neither one of them came in saying, this is the result I want. And how I even set up couples counseling, I let them know it's going to be difficult. We're going to be bringing everything to the surface, and then we're going to work through it. And at any given time, it's in their control of what decision they make regarding their relationship. Mm. So giving that control to them as well, and then also giving them the space to be vulnerable and giving them the space to talk through what each of them are experiencing was really helpful. And it was literally they didn't see each other. Mm. You know, yeah, we're, it was more like we're roommates. Right, and that happens a lot yeah. in relationships because of the mundane, daily mundane stuff, just gets in the way. Yeah. But then to actually sit and see one another, and see and honor that each are hurting. Yeah. And how they can heal. Hard question for you, Beth. Mm-hmm. What are what is one or two ways that a couple can approach a counseling session that makes it helpful? or mm-hmm. more successful or whatever we want to use as the term, uh, regardless of the health of the relationship. Coming in with an idea of being open to even hearing the negatives hmm. and not blaming the other person. So a lot of the problems that couples have is always blamed on the other. There's not personal responsibility and taking ownership of what their actions have caused within that relationship. Hmm. So. Being open to hearing that they are not, you know, blameless Mm -hmm. and just being respectful of that in each other. So you think that in general, most couples will benefit in couples counseling if they approach it Mm -hmm. with an inward look of how they're contributing to the problem or how does that even apply, though, like if spouse one has an affair Mm-hmm. How does spouse two approach that couple's counseling with that mentality? Because it's so, it seems very obvious that spouse two right. doesn't have the blame. Right. Or, or is that false? They don't have the blame. You're not, bl- you can't hold the blame for someone else's actions, especially with infidelity. That is a choice they have made, no matter what was going on in the relationship. That other person is not to blame. Mm-hmm. So being able to sit and listen as the one who has had the affair or there's been infidelity, to sit and listen to the hurt Hmm. that they have caused Mm -hmm. and then work towards healing. Mm -hmm. So for a spouse too, it sounds like holding the blame maybe isn't the language Mm -hmm. that best fits it, but maybe it's more of being able to be honest with yourself where you are in the relationship mm-hmm. and what you're feeling in the relationship and take ownership of of your own side of the court almost. Right. Because um, that, that feels true for that situation as well as the situation of like, we're just fighting a lot. Mm-hmm. I was saying the main takeaway for coming into couples therapy is just to be open. Hmm. 
open to hearing what the therapist has to say. <laughs> and if you're angry with the therapist, that's okay. Mm-hmm. That is okay. You know, we're here to really get into the details and to help you find the clarity and hope in that relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes the least helpful thing that couples do in sessions is try to keep secrets from the therapist or not bring oh, up the stuff. It doesn't work well. Yeah. There are a lot of couples that have come in for couples counseling in the midst of crisis because mm-hmm. I think that's most of the time that we yes. pursue it. Yes. And what I've found is that especially with the clients that shoot me an email, Mm-hmm. saying, hey, do we, we decided to break up or we decided to divorce. We don't want to see you anymore. A lot of the times the session before, they were just saying so many good things about the relationship and everything's great and wonderful yes. and blah, blah, blah. And these things that are hard aren't really hard. And and then, you know, the few times that I've been able to pull them back in and say like, hey, you know, I'd love to be able to meet and just hear a little bit more and to talk or do a phone mm-hmm. call or whatever. That's the point where they actually bring up, yeah, well, they cheated on me five years ago and we never told you, or they've been physically abusive, or, um, you know. Or he's they, been out drinking every night right. coming in at 2 a.m. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's all of those, it's like that last phone call is when they actually bring it up and it's like, you know, that would have been really helpful to know <laughs> <Right>. earlier on. <laughs> right. For like, you know, if we're wanting to work on your relationship. <laughs> It kind of Absolutely. feels important. I've had a couple terminate services with me because they said I had no clue what what their problems were. <laughs> and it was, I'm like, well, I can only go by what you tell me. Right. If you're not honest with me, you're not honest with yourself. Yeah. Because I can't do anything. I can't guide. I can't assist in communication pattern changes. I can't do anything if you're not honest. And I think what's so interesting is that oftentimes when we're experiencing that as the therapist, it's not because of us. Mm-hmm. It's because that's how they're approaching each other right. and their relationships. So they're right. not honest with each other, but expecting this this approach or they're, they think they're making bids, but they aren't really making mm-hmm. bids or there are issues going on that they expect the other person to fix without addressing them. Right. And those are so unhealthy and unhelpful in right. any relationship, <laughs> let alone a marriage or committed relationship. Right. So, Beth, it has been so great to have you on today and just to talk about relationships and skills and all that. Um, I so appreciate just the way that you approach clients the same way I said at the beginning of the episode. And as we close out for today, Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you have a challenge that any listener who's in a relationship right now, regardless of the health of that relationship or the state of that relationship or the commitment level, whatever – Is there a challenge you can offer that you believe will cause greater health in that relationship? I really challenge everyone. It doesn't matter if you're in a relationship, if you're married, you know, even as a teenager, put the phones down. And when someone is speaking, actually look them in the eyes. That is something we have strayed from and our connections with people in our presence has become minimal because we're so connected to our devices and the connections will benefit everyone. Thanks, Beth. (laughs) 